Welcome to the Leadership Network Podcast. Leadership Network is a community of multipliers who gather to collaborate, innovate, and pursue what God has next for His church. Our mission is to champion healthy growth that is capable of reproducing. Thank you for joining this conversation, and here's today's episode. Hey, welcome to the next episode of the Microchurch Next podcast slash videocast slash um conversation yeah. coming from my garage brian yeah and- I, that's right we're at the we're at the hub for one of uh, one of the kansas city underground hubs right on just a reminder leadership network uh is here to help leaders identify where the spirit of god is at work and bringing the future into the present one of those areas here in the west is clearly what has been called the microchurch movement um, right now in hundreds of cities. Simultaneously, there is a genuine reformation happening um, with simple expressions of the church led by ordinary people who are um, obsessed, I think, in a beautiful way uh, with planting the gospel and making new disciples of Jesus and helping everybody experience their calling um, that God has shaped them for. And uh, today we're going to be having a conversation about uh, what that movement looks like in the world of teenagers, especially uh, most particularly in high school campuses. We're here today, Corey McLevane. He's part of the Kansas City Underground family. What? What did I do? The pronunciation. What did Mac- I say? McLevane. I, <laughs> I heard it. Yeah. Okay. But I know That's, at this point. <laughs> roll it, right? Go it's, ahead, Brian. Yeah, it's no, it's it's what it's what's so endearing about you, Rob, is I just never know what sort of pronunciation I'm going to get. Yeah, but to be fair, that last name is McElvain. It's a just looking at it. You're like, what? Yeah. So how's that flow? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So Corey just wrote an article actually for Leadership Network. So if you're uh, tracking along with these episodes when we release them, you know, we always try to attach a, an interview with whoever wrote the article and we try to have an article with whoever we're interviewing. So depending on your medium, if you like to read stuff, you can go read the article. If you just want to listen, you can do that. If you want to get the benefit of all of the uh, color commentary, you can do both. Uh, so go to leadnet.org, look up the resources under the microchurch uh, channel part of that, and you can find Corey's article. So the article is Microchurches for the Next Generation. Uh, subtitle, How We're Equipping and Sending Students for Gospel Saturation on High School Campuses. So, um, yeah, let's just start with the question that we often start with. Who who are you, Corey McLevane? <laughs> what makes you, you? What's your background with students? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, I grew up here in Kansas City. Um, I'm the middle son of a of a pastor, uh, church planner here locally in Kansas City. Um, and yeah, I mean, I was just fortunate to grow up in a family uh, and a dad that really a believed in next generation and the next wave of leadership in the church in America. Um, and then B, like, also was willing to step outside of the you know normal model of what he was even church planting here locally in Kansas City and going, hey, the global church is exploding and just realizing some numbers early on and reading through a lot of David Garrison stuff and um, 
firsthand getting some experiences in China where I got to see this kind of like underground house church movement. Um, I mean, a small microscopic <laughs> element of everything that was happening. Right. But um, yeah, so I, that's, that's kind of what I was raised in, in a lot of ways. And my dad was just an amazing leader um, and just amazing father to mm. uh, me and my brothers in terms of just uh, expanding our vision, always uh, being willing to uh, you know, like uh, put things in the church world on not never put them on a pedestal in a way, like always willing to just go like, hey, there's no sacred cows. And uh, we always look at things from a lens of where's God moving? How do we join him? So I was fortunate to grow up in that. Um, and, you know, even early on as a high school student, out of kind of that trip to China, my family started asking more micro church, smaller concept oriented types of questions. And how does, you know, how do the people of God organize and things like that? So my dad challenged me as a senior in high school at a private Christian school locally here to basically start something. And uh, if you've ever been around private Christian school students, there's uh, a large population that are not really in it, (laughs) that are uh, forced to go to that school. And so, uh, you know, I, I was just realizing kind of that you know, there it's, it's, there's so much more gray at the private Christian school, honestly, than there is in the public school. It's like either you're in or you're out at this mm-hmm. point. You know? And uh, as a, as a high school kid, I just knew like the students were hungry. Every next generation's hungry for authenticity from anybody, especially their peers, right? If they see uh, their peers living genuinely for Jesus and actually sold out, but also being a, um, an enjoyable, relatable friend, <laughs> there's power behind it. And so I started a little micro kind of deal over, overseen by my father and it totally like exploded like 30, 40 plus kids and kids giving their lives to Jesus. But like, kids that were previously nominal in their faith become mm. like sincere followers of Jesus and just going, yeah, just driven further into it. Um, fast forward, <laughs> I had kind of another experience uh, where I was, you know, I didn't have language for it like I do now, but I was planting the gospel uh, at a, a at a metal concert, <laughs> you know, like shortly after high school, where um, I got into a conversation with one of the guys in the band. He was a lead vocalist um, and that conversation turned spiritual. And all of a sudden I started a micro church with that band. And then it was multiple other metal bands. <laughs> it was like going on tour with these metal high school age, you know, college age students. And they were like, yeah, come be our chaplain, which is hilarious in the metal world. You know, yeah, yeah. Like, And I was like, in this kind of micro church type little mini network of other, you know, kids and students who are just doing it. Um, and from that point forward, I was basically pursuing different models and forms of micro church and disciple making, you know, so it's been somewhere over 15 years um, just pouring into next gen in a way and trying to find effective ways to really, uh, send them to do the same things that my father sent me to do. Um, and some years in a local predominant model church as a youth pastor, some years doing stuff in college ministry and just kind of all over the place. So that that's me. That's where I'm at now. And uh, your dad, your husband, you want to tell us about that? What do you like to do for fun? 
Ah, uh, man. So now that I'm a dad going on second one, I'm going to reevaluate what all I like to do for fun in a couple of years. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, right now I get to, I get to stay at home with my son multiple days a week. And then we have a daughter on the way. So, you know, I, I get to live a life of staying at home with my kids a lot. Uh, and then also in a healthy way, doing stuff in ministries. So I've, really feel really fortunate to be able to do both, to be honest. Um, yeah. I mean, stuff I like to do is I honestly love pouring into students and spending time with them. Just, uh, there's such a, um, open (laughs) goofiness and, uh, you know, reckless abandon when they find the right things where it's just like, we're going for it, you know? So Mm -hmm. I love that. I love being able to spend time in that. And then music books, big reader um like um rock climbing outdoors type stuff so all those kind of things it's awesome man how about i I want i want to know what you mean when you say zero hour that's the name yeah hub it's kind of the name of your mission ministry what does zero hour mean exactly why that title yeah so early well pandemic hits i lose my job i'm going lord what do you want me to do next (laughs) you were like a personal trainer running a gym right yeah so i was managing a gym uh locally here that overnight business just collapsed and i was going god what what is next i know i want to have some um role within you know next gen and pouring into students at some ministry capacity again but i had no concept as to what that would look like. I felt like I had tried all of the models of youth Hmm. ministry at this point and I was hitting 30 and I'm like, okay, Lord, like I can't step back into kind of the attractional model youth pastor gig. Um, But as I was reflecting on that and connecting with Corey Osborne, who connected me with Brian, I was going, man, there was so much power in the mountaintop moments you know, in youth ministry, there was so Mm -hmm. much power because we always ask students like, Hey, what was the most memorable thing you did during your time in youth ministry? They'd all like talk about their experience here or this thing. But I also, as the youth pastor recognize the like, but we're not capitalizing on that. Mm. It's like, we're letting those stay there. And simultaneously I'm sitting and going through the word and and realizing even after the Mount of Transfiguration, they're coming off the top of the mountain and immediately there's a casting out of a demon. It's just like, that was literally catalyzed unto mission uh, from that moment. And I was looking up terms literally that were just kind of like, what, what are terms that are like a plan that goes forward or something? Um, in zero hour was it? It's a military term, right? That just means uh, a moment in time where a plan moves forward. And so, yeah. a lot of the idea was how do we actually capitalize on these types of moments for students because they're so powerful, right? When you can get them away from their their phone, the culture, you know, all of the things, and you just get them with the Lord, like you can capitalize on the things that the Lord would speak to them. Mm. You can help launch them back into their schools to be genuine disciple makers. So that that was kind of the initial premise behind why the name came about. But it's a good old Google search, right? <laughs> name it. You know, Michelle and I, you know, we were directors at a middle school camp for I don't know how many summers, uh, probably 20 years. And we would always leave camp and go, this is church because mm-hmm. it'd be about 15 kids with two to four 
you know, teenage adult leaders literally doing life together 20, you know, 24 seven for a week and meals together, staying the scriptures together, fun together and a depth of relationship. And, you know, and it's fun because now we're like, we feel like we're actually living that. It's it's like camp, except we're adults. <laughs> we can even hear the, the, the camp children screaming in the background. <laughs> and there's a, you know, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. I mean, there's a, you know, there's a burden to that. There's a mm-hmm. sacrifice to that. The, uh, But I so deeply resonate with um, the, the essence of what you're saying. You know, like it, those mission trips, those camps, the retreats, the, they're experiencing the essence of what it means to be the church. How, how does that become the norm and not the exception once or twice a year? Yep. Yeah. 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 I was, as you were talking, remember a story my dad was telling me this, they, they spent a short time in Haiti uh, for a couple of years doing, took over kind of a local Presbyterian church in Port-au-Prince and, uh, he was sharing with me. He was like, yeah, I had these guys. There's a group of 12 guys that want me to disciple them. Uh, and so he said he was like talking to them about, okay, well, like what days and times work with you? And he said that one of them sat there and said, thought, well, I have um, Mondays, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I have something on Saturday morning. Uh, but then I can do all day Sunday too. And he's like, well, what, like what times was this? And they're like, oh, just all day. We'll just follow you. <laughs> it was just like, a, oh my gosh, like my Western mindset, you know, was all like. We're going rabbinical. Let's go. Schedule, you know, and it was like, but it just, it was even in the midst of starting zero hour stuff, but it was just, that's the essence, right? It was like time is so much pulling and stealing from a younger and younger age right now that when you can get them away like that, there is so much power and they get to see what the church really can be and the potential Mm -hmm. of it and how they can take that and utilize it back in their schools. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so, you know, when we trained people and micro church conversations, we've said this on this like little podcast here and whatever video cast conversation, we don't really know what to call it. Um, what is this? There's always three questions, right? What do you do about money? What do you do about heresy? What do you do about kids? Mm-hmm. So we've, we've been doing a little bit of answering some of those questions this year, interviewing people on that. And we got to interview Hugh, Hugh Halter, talk about kids, talk about how they do like that younger generation. Um, but this is like another part of it because it's one thing to talk about, like, how do you disciple kids in your home? And here's some tools. Here's some ways to think about that. But I think we all know, like at some point, though, it's different when you get teenagers. Mm-hmm. It's different when they become more autonomous. And when there's the shift from I'm with you 90% of your day to or week to I'm with you 20% of your week between the school, your sports, your friends, your other whatever. Um, Yeah, all of that stuff starts to come into play, right? I'm going somewhere, I think, with this question, by the way. So, like, you're you're thinking about it from, like, just that specific window. Um, And I think, you know, you think about it from the lens of disciple making, not 
I'm not, I'm not throwing shade and causing division here. You're not thinking about growing a Wednesday night event. You're thinking, how do we multiply disciple makers on this campus and this campus? And then how do we think about how they make disciples? I would even say micro churches isn't even like the top priority, even though it is because you don't want to create like, you're not here to make converts on campuses. Mm -hmm. You're here to create little communities on this campus. So I guess I'm all of that to like set up, go like, man, talk about like people are listening. They're like, how do we do this in our town, in our city with the six high schools that are near me? You have a vision for like 88 high schools. So just talk about vision, strategy, that kind of thing. I know that's huge. I don't know where you're going to be. I'm just trying to think about where I want to start. Um, (laughs) There, you know, a portion of that you talked about time, you know, and that that's been a consistent theme over the past year for our team. And just considering it's like, is there a, bigger beast that we come up against <laughs> people's times right now in America, you know, and, and then lay on top of that. It's just like the number of things in the schedule that students have uh, is not so. I mean, it's crazy. And um, I would say over 90% of them have never even been shown how to keep a schedule. Mm-hmm. The high school kid, you know, so like, <laughs> That's like a life skill where it's like, hey, let's layer all these things that you're going to have to do and all these extracurriculars, but not show you how to manage it. <laughs> yeah, like, there's a, there, that's a big disconnect. But I, I'm bringing that up to go, um, you know, the whole concept of as you are going, make mm. disciples like that, that mindset shift, that paradigm shift, number one is um, really, really important because even though we will train and walk and equip students and help them understand how to do this in their schools. It's, it's really hard for them to go, well, I got to, it's almost like this separate project concept. They still revert back to because they've been trained mm-hmm. so heavily to think go elsewhere to go and make disciples as opposed to no, you like mm-hmm. dude, you're already on the basketball team. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's yeah. a perfect place to do it. So mm-hmm. instead of me trying to buy their time, as the youth pastor, youth group, et cetera, like instead looking at the places they're already spending time and just training and equipping them to, to spend that time intentionally. Like think about that as the place where you can really be missional. Think about that and capitalize on the time that Lord's put you in front of all of these relationships that are broken and that need love and that need, you know, real attention and prayer and all these things. So having that mindset shift because we don't we don't have a, a weekly gathering you know a wednesday night gathering so when we think about it we're we're measuring much higher on the front end of how many are we training and sending because now they're operational in the places they're already doing it right it's like they're they already exist so heavily on the mission field um because it's like you know and i've i don't know we've trained over 300 students in the past 2 years right through our kind of disciple making wow. way so we're you know like i pull them like literally ask hand raise and this isn't a scientific poll but like we are asking them general questions that are helping me get more informed every training we do hmm. um, and one of them is this like concept of you know first one was how many of you know the great commission I would say it's less than 20% raise their hand mm. significantly less than I'm, I'm being generous. Like it's a very low and not just, do they know the great commission, but do you know that this 
portion of scripture and the context of it. None of them know it. So A, that's where we're starting from. And then B, I asked them, what percentage of your high school do you think, or is at least claiming to follow Jesus? Mm. And they're, they're all over the place. They have no pulse on it. I've had yeah. kids tell me 40%. And then I've had some kids tell me 2%. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, yeah. They have no like honest like idea. And I, the, you know, this isn't like generally the number is somewhere less than 10% of any given high school in America. So they are already on the mission field. They are mm-hmm. in a significant place that people do not follow Jesus, do not claim to follow Jesus. And if anything, they get bullied when they do share that they follow Jesus. So that's just been a huge shift. And so because of that, like you have to equip them and train them where they already are. So they have to be prepared to really see their place that they exist as a mission field. Then I'm not buying their time. Yeah. I'm just trying to get them to shift their mindset where they're already at. Yes, Rob. So just like like average listener, let's say is going, Okay, how's that happening? So you don't have a youth group with the Wednesday night gathering. You just stand outside of the high school with the sign. What do you, how you find these students? And then yeah. you find them, like, how are you building a relationship? And what does the training look like? I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Um, <clears throat> we, the truth is I've gone a few different directions. There were already some families that existed inside of the underground that had some students. Not a lot, right? So, like, so one is if you have a pre-existing microchurch network, here's a great opportunity within yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and and initially I was thinking through how do I do some a mountaintop experience that's a trip that equips and trains students to go back to make disciples. Okay. So that was like the initial. Because their parents are obviously weird already. Yeah. 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 Already, yeah the so, paradigm's already been shifted. <laughs> yeah. Their kids are like, hey, we do this yeah. completely different. We're not going to a building somewhere. Right. Got it. Right. Right. So for the most part, they all already get it at some level. So my initial invitation was just to them well, two years ago or whatever, um, mm-hmm. three summers ago. Um, and we took, I think it was like nine students that first summer to Tennessee, to the Smoky Mountains. And we were taking the the underground's uh, missionary pathway, which was just teaching and training individuals how to be everyday, ordinary disciple makers in the places that they live, learn, work, or play. We were just going, yes, except for the mission field has already been claimed the place where they learn. (laughs) For the most part, 90% of them, that's where it is, unless they're homeschooled. And then we help them walk through, okay, do you have a job? Okay. And maybe you're in a neighborhood. We just help think through different ideas as to where their mission field may be. So we trained them through that. Um, But then over that next year, I personally spent a lot of time knocking on doors and calling youth pastors, like not just figuratively, like I literally was knocking on doors because I was just going, I mean, I even have a story. We were living out in South, uh, you know, kind of suburban area here of Kansas, Olathe. And I was prayer walking the area where we lived and there's this Ethiopian church. And I was like, what? I've never seen this. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to try to call them. I tried to call nobody answers so i sent an email um and then i literally physically was knocking on the doors trying to get your receptionist nobody's answering and i'm like okay a week later somebody calls me leaves a voicemail hey um are you that weirdo that's knocking on our door yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know if they had cameras but the guy calls and is like 
you want to meet? And I'm like, yeah, if you'd be open, I'd, I'd love to buy you coffee, <laughs> you know, um, without going through all the, him and I like built a friendship connection. And years later, I ended up training a student, this Ethiopian student. I was like, oh, what church do you go to? Oh, I go to this church. So I was like, I know Joel. And he's like, you know, my youth pastor, Joel. I was like, yeah. And he was like, this is insane. And I was like, I've been praying for the Lord to connect some dots there. Some anyways. So I literally just was knocking on doors, like, and calling and trying to cast a vision to just go, Hey, there has to be some middle ground because, and I love the parachurch organizations, the young lives, the K lives, the, you know, youth for Christ and all of them, but they kind of, in my view and opinion where they were kind of basically still doing a miniature youth group mm-hmm. just somewhere else, right? Like at least the original like, parachurch uh, youth groups and places. Like a church building youth group option. Yes. And I was just going, we can't recreate that. <laughs> that just feels like another, <laughs> like, okay, you know, even as the youth pastor, I know the feeling. So w- what we started casting the vision for was just going like, hey, we we just are trying to help students genuinely live on mission. Like if we can come alongside what you're already doing, we're not trying to blow up what you're doing. We're not trying to knock it down. We honor you. We love you. I actually know where you're at. You probably have a, a deep longing for your students to be missional. Like you, mm-hmm. you do. Yeah. But you also are this like uh, role in the local church where it's like you you wear a ton of hats and you typically pay the least. <laughs> That's usually the truth is the youth pastor. And, and then you are supposed to help with everybody else's events. But when you have an event, it's go for it, man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And so I just know that there is that element with the youth pastor. So just through the years of experience, it allowed me to cast a vision alongside of them to say, we don't want to replace what you're doing. Hmm. We want to come in and bolster it. We want to pour fire or gasoline on the fire so that students would really be missional on their campuses. So the second one is, Hey, we're a mission agency and we're here to serve you and you're probably your most committed students, we have training pathways and tools and equipping that can help you really unleash some omission. It's number two. That was it. That, that, that was the one. And that took time. I mean, to be totally transparent, Mm -hmm. there were many that just, that wasn't always a fit. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's uh, still happening. Yeah. And yeah, I'm still knocking on doors. So like, I'm still just asking Lord open whatever doors are right, whatever partnerships click and, 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 we can cast a vision in a way that's helpful to them, you know? So yeah, that, that was number two. And I would just say that's, that was probably the most significant one starting to see it as a overall youth group of the city and trying mm-hmm. to cast that vision that, that that's been the most significant place where, where we've seen doors open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can pretty confident say we've trained somewhere over 12 different youth groups, key student leaders in the city mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. I'd say, I was just going to say that the third one, I think will transition us into the last question I want to get. Yeah. It's like one, we tapped into parents apparently that are weird that had already done the paradigm shift and their kids were probably ready to go. The second one was youth pastors. The third is now just like multiplication from within the network. Yeah. Like students leading students to know Jesus and discipling them, creating extended spiritual family. So my, my my last question is just like, you know, somebody's listening like, yeah, that sounds awesome. It's probably just another young life or whatever. But like, what are the real stories? Like maybe a story or two that's like, hey, this is really how we're bringing beauty, justice and good news to the high schools in Kansas City. Yeah. 
I'll give two. First one was a student um, who was going into his senior year last year, started training him on Zoom over seven weeks. And if you know anything about next generation, they despise being on Zoom. So <laughs> it's like they'll no video is ever on. And it's like you're just talking to yourself. And it's like, oh my gosh. So we're I'm training them over <laughs> well, I'm training them over seven weeks and this student, um, genuine like great kid unbelievable kid like was the kid was like yeah he's the kind of kid you want to really come alongside and fan the flames um but in in he was in a local youth group and plugged in and i connected to them and they were like he was just like i i want more i want to figure out what to do in my school and i just don't know what and most of the time that always equates to i'll start a bible study and great but i think if there were more strategic ways that we help students walk in it we could help them right and As I went through the training, near the end of it, the student goes, hey, man, this is all great and all, and I've heard this stuff before. And I'll just be honest, like, I don't really think it's going to (laughs) work. At least he's being honest. All right, man, I appreciate your honesty. Are you willing to pray with me consistently for the rest of the summer to see if God would open any doors? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, so... (laughs) To his credit, he was very consistent with, you know, and I had multiple check, check-ins with him, just go, how's it going? Are you consistently praying for, you know, five individuals around you that the Lord would open the doors, our bless five tool. And um, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Day one hits, I get a call. It's like 3.30, you know, so school has just gotten out. And I get a call from the student. He's like, dude, this is, something's not right. This is insane. I'm like, what are you saying? You know, like, tell me what you're trying to say. He's like, I had four people come up to me and ask me about my faith that I've known almost all of my life. And um, so I never thought that they would bring anything up spiritually. And I was like, come on. (laughs) One of those moments, like, thank you, Lord. You know, like, unbelievable. The doors open. Multiple of them are like, definitely atheists and uh one of those kids in particular um well two of them were like hey i want to start something here that's like a team of students who are basically a micro church that are on mission towards schools like yeah that's what we do and elijah's like that's what zero hour does that's what they do that's what they do (laughs) so he basically then the other two one of those students was like over the next six months with elijah just continue to ask him questions. And a lot of the training is just helping students be good question askers in return. Mm, yeah. That's what Jesus did, right? Like, and, and being genuinely curious and loving them uh, and not, not feeling the need to always share an opinion on this or that, but rather just asking them and just peeling the layers on the onion. Um, so this student and the other student, it kind of comes to a point where he's like, Hey, would you be open to reading the word? And the kid was like, Actually, yeah, I would with you. So they did. They went through the entirety of the New Testament over the next school year together. Wow, amazing. Um, and had like kind of this wildly crazy, and students do this. This is the best part, like unprompted, right? Like after the basketball game, they're out and it's cold outside of their cars, talking, hanging, uh, and they're talking. And this student just reveals some stuff about um, some suicidal attempts as a middle school student. Wow. Um, and the student that we walked with, I mean, obviously just crushed and was just like, wow, thank you so much for sharing. Like, I'm touched. Would you be open for me to pray for you right now? <laughs> so he's like, 
I guess, sure. You know, he's like, so this student literally starts like praying like some really powerful prayers over the other yeah. student. The other student starts weeping. Hmm. It's just like, oh my gosh, I've never felt like lighter in my yeah. life. Like, it's something like, like came off of me in a way. And wow. uh, he just like was like, well, I'm here for you, man. And, you know, like the option to follow Jesus is always there. And this is the kind of power that he holds. It's like, sure. you told him that? <laughs> you told him that? <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's unbelievable. Come on, man. <laughs> you know, like, so it just like that, that was an unbelievable story. And the other one was this group of girls uh, at a different high school that just, you know, saw this other student uh, and, and befriended her and uh, invested in the relationship and the friendship. And this student revealed just a bunch of hard stuff in, in her home life. Um, and they were asking her, Hey, are you going to have a graduation party? And she was like, ah, no, you know, we don't have the money and nobody's ever done that for me. So they're like, mm-hmm. we're going to do that for mm-hmm. you. And so, so they, yeah. as their team, their microchurch, they literally like pooled their resources, went to their parents and the parents are like chipping in money to throw this girl a graduation party. And then on That's top, amazing. they get her like this graduation basket to go to college <laughs> so they're like yeah. here's all the things you're going to need the next step and it was just you know on a different level just that example of like wow like that's that's tangible real stuff that these students are cap- completely unprompted by an adult we're doing yeah. on their like yeah, they, yeah. they were doing it and it was just more of this like oh my gosh i gotta get out of the way more yeah <laughs> yeah gotta, I got to let them really come with their creativity and their ideas of how to love their peers best because they mm. know way better than I do. That's so yeah. good. Hey, hey, like 90 seconds. Yep. If somebody was like, I don't know, cool, you found the good kids that went and did this. Awesome. You'd be like, no, that's not true. Here's all the stuff like ongoing coaching, call them mm. Sherpas, like equipping gatherings, like give us like what what's what are you doing coming alongside students so they don't feel like they're just out there on their own yeah yeah so once we train them we at the end of it we just go like you got to have a team doing this in your school you got to have a micro church like that is doing this thing together on mission um so that's kind of like step one having teammates that are trained with you you know that are in the trenches with you two would be uh before every gathering that they have we have them fill out this google form qr coded google form that just asks some like dna questions like have you had any meaningful conversations spiritual conversations discovery bible studies how are you blessing or loving and serving others around you at your school so that's like a touch point and we have coaches that oversee every team microchurch that emerges on the on the school campus so that we have like ongoing just eyes you know they don't come up they don't go to the gatherings of these students and tell them how to operate (laughs) they exist in the background they observe how those qr codes those google forms are being filled out and then they just check in with them and we tell them it's it's not about accountability forcefully it's more about like hey let's make sure we maintain the focus of being disciple makers and your role is to come alongside and love them get to know them hang with them still do the things that are relational so I think that's like three and then um, four, we have a, a once a month gathering of all the students and <clears throat> teams that exist all around the city uh, where, the, you know, it's some basic worship elements, like we're not basic. I mean, definitely some prophetic worship and prayer type of combined <laughs> elements. And then um, we do more, uh, more like tool training and then 
cross school like story sharing basically mm. Yeah, that inspiration is important. Really powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we just make sure when they break up into kind of small groups, there are these baseline questions we ask, and then they yeah. pray for one another. And it just like, you know, it, you get to hear the kid who tried this thing and it totally failed. Bombed. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right, bro. Like we're here. Let's talk through that. What can we think about next time? And 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 sometimes it's just not about you, and that's okay, you know. And then on the other side, they get to hear from a student from a different school that's like this student said yes to reading the word of God with me. And it's just like, a, you know, the kid who thought it would never work, you know, his tank is just full and you can see it mm. in that room that they're so encouraged that yeah. like, okay, I can do this. Even though I'm the introverted kid, I can do this. Mm. I just saw that person share that story that just lit me up. So yeah, those are the main points where we continue to walk with them. Yeah. You guys have a podcast, right? Yep. Zero Hour Ministries podcast. So please look it up. Yeah. Subscribe. Check it out. You're like us. We just name things just straightforward. Yeah. Very- <laughs> yeah, it's that way. yeah. Hey, thanks for taking some time, Corey McLevane, um, yeah. to, uh, to just man, share your heart with students, um, uh, or, or with us about what you're doing with students. So, um, if you're listening again, go to, uh, leadnet.org. You can look up Corey's article, uh, learn more about, you'll, you'll hear some of these same stories, but hear like, you know, this focus on Gen Z and why, um, and some of the strategy behind it. Um, check out zero hour ministries podcast. I'd encourage you to check out zero hour ministries.org. If you're just looking for some more resources, you want to be inspired by this and hit that contact button, reach out to Corey, connect, hear more about what they're doing. And uh, continue to join us through the rest of this year as we interview more people about these different angles within this microchurch paradigm we're exploring, how we make disciples in the everyday stuff of life. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Network podcast and joining the conversation for what is next for the church and its leaders. We look forward to connecting with you as we bring our questions, contribute our wisdom, and pursue what is next. Visit leadnet.org for more resources, information about leader cohorts, and more. That is leadnet.org.